Thanks for listening to The Vine's podcast. The Vine is a church in Austin, Texas, with a simple goal of following Jesus together. And we hope this message helps you in doing just that. Hi, guys. Happy Advent. It truly is just the most wonderful time of the year. I love it so much. I'm so happy to be get to get to share during Advent because I just love it so much. And it's just such a sweet, meaningful time usually for me and Jesus, um, and I'm excited about today. I, I really have enjoyed this series we've been going through. Uh, we've been focusing on embodied Advent. We've been focusing on this idea that Jesus came to be with us, and the form in which he came was as a body, like with one of these, just like us. And Mark shared the first week about how that restores and gives such honor and dignity to our bodies that God would inhabit a body just like ours. Um, And Mark shared again about how that redeems and restores our view of our emotions, that part of what comes with a body is sensation and responses to stimulus that we call emotions, and how Jesus embraced that full spectrum of emotions. He experienced all of them because he came to be with us as a body. And today, we get to talk about what it means that Jesus also came not just to be embodied as an individual, but to be a part of an embodied community, right? Your embodiment when you think about what it means that you exist as a body, it's not just about you as an individual, it's about all of us. We are collective. Together we are collectively embodied. We are an embodied community. Uh, Humanity is sort of like this group project. We're a collective group, right? When God created us, he didn't just create a person, he created a people. And we are all interconnected through our bodies. Um, I remember, I can't even remember what sermon it was in, but Mark talked once about aspen trees. And I love aspen trees. They're so beautiful. They're the ones that are always doing like jazz hands, <laughs> which I just love so much. I just think that's so sweet. Um, and they're so beautiful. And when you see a forest of aspen trees like this, you think of them as all these different trees. But really, aspen trees are so unique because they're sort of like one big organism. They're interconnected underneath the ground through their roots. And that means they, they rely on one another. When one tree is depleted, needs more resources, other trees can send resources through those roots. And when one tree gets sick, sometimes other trees end up in that forest getting sick as well because they're interconnected through their roots. And we, as humans, are interconnected through our bodies. Our bodies are like this root system that connect us, that that enable us to impact one another. And Jesus, when he came, he didn't just come as a body. He plugged into that root system. He participated in embodied community, which makes us vulnerable to one another, we can be hurt by one another, it enables us to care for one another. We are all interconnected through this root system that is our bodies, and I mean that in like a very literal sense. There's so many different ways this plays out, but one of them you might have heard of emotional contagion. Basically, if, you know, if Ron walks in here today and he has an, an expression on his face, I may not consciously notice that expression at all, if he, if he looks sad, I may not notice that, my body does. And what my body does is it has these mirror neurons that fire in my brain and before I even know what's happening, I have the sensation that mimics the sensation he's having that happens in my body. It's called emotional contagion. We have social contagion. We do it as people in a whole group. So a group takes on this practice or behavior. Another group gets almost infected by it. It's because we're all interconnected and our bodies are those, that root system. They're taking in information that's impacting us, that's affecting us on a deep level. And when Jesus came... He came to be a part of that root system. By having a body, he connected himself into this thing that is the collective, communal, embodied experience. Um, I have a million examples of that, like emotional contagion or social contagion, but I'm going to focus on two things today. 
that our bodies do, that root system of being embodied do. One is that our bodies enable us to communicate. Our bodies are how we communicate with one another. And the second is that our bodies enable us to connect. And in the embodied Jesus, God has communicated and connected with us, okay? So let's start with talking about how our bodies enable us to communicate. So communication is a little bit different from talking. Talking I'm doing now, right? And if all of you left the room, I could still stand here and be talking. But if all of you left the room, I, I couldn't be communicating anymore. Talking is something I do at home with my dog, Toby. I can talk to Toby. I cannot communicate with Toby because communication takes two people. It takes one person who can communicate and express something they're feeling or some part of their personhood, and they pass that to someone else. And that person, when that person receives it in the way that it was intended, and it's understood, that's communication. It's kind of the difference between me tossing a ball up in the air, that could be talking, and communication is when I pass that ball and it's caught. Right? We all know what miscommunication feels like. I'm sending a message about myself, about my personhood, I'm communicating something to you, and you're catching a ball, but it's not the one I'm passing. You're not receiving it in the way I intended it. You're not understanding my personhood in the way that I mean for you to understand it. All right, communication is when both those things happen. When I take me and I express me and you receive me, right? That's what communication is. And we need our bodies in order to be able to communicate. Like on a very basic level, we all know this is true, right? I'm talking right now, I need words in order to communicate, right? And how I'm getting those words is my lungs are taking in air and pushing that air out through this vocal cord that's making a noise, just a sound. And then my tongue is like moving all around in order to shape that sound into words that mean something to you, right? And you have ears that are receiving that sound as I speak, right? We need bodies in order for that process, in order for me to speak words and you hear them. And I love in our passage today the way that Elizabeth describes what's happening for her when Mary shows up on the scene, right? When Mary enters Zechariah's home, she greets Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And in a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of the Lord should come to me? And then she says this in verse 44 that I love. As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. It's such an embodied description, right? This one creature, this one thing, creation that is Mary is making a noise. And it's traveling through the air and the sound of it is reaching the ear of another creation, another creature, Elizabeth. And inside of Elizabeth, another creation, another creature is responding to whatever's happening in Elizabeth's body by moving their body. It's such an embodied process of communication, right? On a, on a very basic level, we all understand this concept that you need a body in order to speak words so that you can communicate, right? But communication is more than just words, right? I can say words and you can misunderstand them. Even if you understand the words I'm saying, that isn't what communication is, right? If you say something and someone hears those words and understands the words, that doesn't necessarily mean communication has taken place, because communication is about me translating the fullness of me and what I'm experiencing and, and I'm expressing it in a way that you're receiving in the way I intended it. If communication was just about what we hold in our words and we say to each other, then this moment here would make no sense. Because we see Elizabeth, we see what it feels like for her to catch the ball. 
She's filled with the Holy Spirit. She's overwhelmed. She's going to proclaim this blessing. The baby in her womb leaps with joy. That's, that lets us know there's something that's been tossed here in that communication that's pretty significant. So what is it? Did Mary give her a sermon? Did she uh, share a seminar about what's going to happen next? Did she break the news to her of what happened when the angel came and what that felt like? Did she say, hey, here's what's going to happen with your baby in the future? No, what is it that Mary has, Elizabeth, has, Mary has said that provokes this response in Elizabeth? You can answer. What did she say? It's a greeting. That's all that happens here. Mary shows up and says, hi. Hi, Elizabeth, I'm here. And this response is not because of the words, right? It's not because she's like, oh, hi. It's not contained in those words. It's a response to the full embodiment of what Mary is communicating as she shows up. It takes our whole body to communicate. You may have heard that uh, 90% of communication is nonverbal. I really don't know where that comes from, but I've heard it too. But it's kind of almost true because we have, I've shared this before, so some of you might have heard it, but we have five ways for communication to take place, five inputs that we have to have. We have to have words, tone, gesture, posture, facial expression. This is how we as humans understand what someone's communicating. When all those five are congruent, when they happen at the same time and I receive them all, then I'm able to understand and receive whatever you're expressing in the way you mean it. I have to have at least three to even have a hope of understanding you, right? Which is, probably explains why the internet is such a terrible place right now. <laughs> you need words, tone, gesture, posture, facial expression. That's how you're made. That's what you need to communicate. And one of those things I do consciously, words. I sat down and I wrote these words on a page and I thought through them very carefully. I didn't think through my tone or my gesture or my posture or my facial expression. That happens naturally. It happens organically. In fact, if I did, if I sat there and I, and I thought through all those things, your brain and your body would register what I'm saying is inauthentic. Your brain knows the difference between you telling your body to move and your body moving to express who you are and the fullness of who you are. And you need a body in order to receive and understand what my body is expressing and communicating. Right, you with your prefrontal cortex, that's what we think of as us, you can hear my words, you could write them down on a page, but I bet you're not consciously also writing down my posture, my gesture, my facial expression, my tone. Even though you need those things just as much to understand what I'm saying, you don't write them down. And that's because your body catches them all. It doesn't need your conscious brain involved. It catches all that information and it produces that response in you that's the indication that you've received what I meant in the way I mean it. You've received me. You've caught me through your body. I've tossed the ball by expressing, by the way my face moves and my hand move and the way I talk and my tone, which is all totally me. The reason I don't have to tell my body what to do is because my body is not like this car that carries me around. My body is me. What I'm trying to share with you is held in my words, and it's held in my hands, and it's held in my toes, and it's held in my heart. It's a full embodied experience. That's what communication is. And when we don't have those things, when we only have one or two of those things, we can't really understand the person, the way they're trying to share themselves with us. Think about that for a second in light of Advent in light of this idea that God came to be with us in human form, right? For all, most of the history of humanity, some of us had words. 
We had the words of God. The people of God right before Jesus came, they had words written down that God had spoken to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses. They had those words. And, and they wanted to understand God. They wanted to know God. They wanted to experience and receive communication the way it was intended. But with just words, our brains fill in the gap. They don't just, they're not like, oh, we don't need those things. They fill it in. They make it up. Tone, gesture, posture, facial expression. We, we make it up based on what we know already. It's why when you send me a text message, I can understand it, even though it's just words, because I know enough information to fill in the gaps. I know enough to plug the pieces in. But with God, and we see this, right? Everybody in this room has experienced this, where you walk into a room and someone is sharing the words of God with a tone or a gesture or a posture or a facial expression that feels nothing like the God that you experience, nothing like the God that you believe in, right? There's so much potential for miscommunication when there's only words. But at the fullness of time, at the right time, God cleared up all this miscommunication by God's self being contained in a human body, right? We have some verses about that, if I can find them. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you've been brought to fullness. In Christ, when you see that baby in the manger, you have a God who has decided to speak your language, who understands how we communicate, how we understand, and and offers no shame for the fact that you need more than words. No shame in that, that's how you were made. And so he came in human form to give you words, tone, gesture, posture, facial expression, and all of a sudden, in history, we can understand God. We can see and experience. We have clarity of who he is. He can share himself with us, and we can receive that in Jesus. And now, for all of time, when you and I want to understand what God is saying to us, we can climb inside the the tone, the gesture, the posture, the facial expression of Jesus, we can imagine it and fill in the gaps the way I do with text messages. We have more information now that helps us understand and receive what God's saying to us and catch the ball in the way that he intends that. And even that process of receiving communication from God, it, it takes more than your conscious brain. It takes your body, right? We spend so much time focused on how to think our way into experiencing God. And it's good. It's good to know the words of God. It's good to have those in your head. But without an experience of the tone, the gesture, the posture, the facial expression, those words are really hard to understand. And and tone, gesture, facial expression, posture, those are not things you receive up here. They're things you receive in here. So I know this is weird to do in the middle of a sermon, but if you will, close your eyes for just a second. And I just want you to think about God. Maybe it's something God said to you. Maybe it's something you like about his character or confused about. And I want you to just think right now and imagine what the posture of Jesus is towards you right now. Is he leaning in? Is he sitting beside you, looking out with you? Is he attentive? What's his expression like? And don't... Don't try to visualize his face. Just notice how it feels in your body. Does it feel soft? 
attentive? Do you feel seen? Do you feel noticed? What's his expression like? What's his, what are his eyes like? Let your body receive and fill in the gaps of how God longs to communicate with you. All right, when you're ready, you can open your eyes. Your body is how you communicate. It's how you express yourself and how others, and you receive that expression, right? And the same is true. God came in human form so that he could communicate himself to us, so that we could know who he is, so we could experience the fullness of God in the person of Christ. And our bodies are also the way we connect with one another. That root system that God has plugged into through Jesus, he's participated in to communicate with us in the way that we receive communication, our language. He also comes into that root system to connect with us in the way that we connect, which is through our bodies. Bodies are so crazy. Connection is, when I was trying to think of a definition, I was like, okay, communication can be a form of connection. When someone's communicating, sharing themselves, and we're receiving it in the way they intended it, often there is connection there also. But connection is also something bigger than that, different than that, more than that. Connection is like the feeling you have, you know, if you're driving side by side in the car with someone you love or a friend on a road trip, you're listening to the perfect song and the, mu- the weather is like how it was yesterday or hopefully today and you're just driving down that road, there's connection there. This person that you love that you're sitting side by, you're not talking, you're not communicating, but you're connecting, right? Or in a, at a concert, this past week I was having a dinner with some friends and we were talking through what's one moment that you felt joy and connection this year and one of them shared that it was an experience of watching the Beyonce concert in a movie theater with strangers. She said, I felt so connected to these people I don't know at all. Connection can happen with strangers with no communication, no expression of self or receiving of self. And I was trying to find the perfect definition to throw up on a slide for you, but the problem is I couldn't find one that, I don't know how to define connection, and I realized as I was doing that that, like, you don't need me to define connection. You may not know how to wrap words about it, around it in your prefrontal cortex, but your body knows what connection is. Everybody in this room has felt connection, has experienced connection, and everyone in this room knows what it feels like to be disconnected, to not have that connection. Um, Yale recently did a study that was thinking about and trying to understand the way that we connect, how different it is in a virtual environment versus an embodied in-person environment. Um, I, I rewind to that time of like video calling first becoming like a thing that everyone did, and it's so funny to me because I'm like, I really just feel like Skype missed such an opportunity. Like I'd been using Skype forever with clients and things like that, and then all of a sudden, Zoom, out of nowhere, who knew? But Zoom became that means from which we communicated in that time, right? We were able to communicate through that. We had one another's words and tones and gestures and postures and facial expressions through a camera. And I was so thankful for that. I lived alone when that time of isolation first began. And I uh, just moved into my house and by myself. And I remember that first uh, birthday. My birthday's in March. And so at the end of March, everybody on Zoom got on the camera and came and wished me happy birthday. I have a picture of it. Took a little picture of my screen. It's very pixelated, sorry. But that's all my friends telling me happy birthday on my birthday. And I remember being like, this is so neat, this video calling thing. We would never be able to all communicate at the same time. And these people live all around the world. And here we are all together for my birthday. And my nieces were learning how to do video calling at this time, which was very exciting. My mother still has not learned really how to do video calling. 
we get a lot of close-ups of my mom. But it was neat. It was a blessing. It was a gift. And it was definitely not enough. I know that because I, I got sick March 23rd of 2020 with a respiratory virus. I'd just been in New York, uh, and then I came home and got sick. And, uh, you know, first we were sending those memes that were like, is that you, Rona? You know, a little dog coughing. We stopped with the memes after a couple of weeks. <laughs> Wasn't that funny anymore. Um, and it was a hard time to be sick. There weren't tests yet. There was no way of knowing that. You may or may not remember this, but at that time, they didn't want you to go to a doctor or hospital ever, no matter what happened, especially if you weren't like in the, the category that they thought were as, at risk. They didn't really understand the virus yet, so they didn't know. It doesn't really discriminate based on age and things like that that viruses have previously. So every time I would get on a virtual call, very thankful to be able to see my doctors virtually, they would be like, you know, you're young, you're healthy, you're going to be fine. You know, if, if your blood pressure gets here or your oxygen drops here, then, then give us a call back. And so I would call them back. Hey, this hit the level. What should I do now? Should I go in? No, no, we don't want anyone to go to hospital. You're, you're healthy. You'll be fine. Just, you know, if it gets here, give us a call back. It would drop again, and here it is. You know, and, and over and over and over again, I just have these virtual calls, and I remember being at the point where I was like, I need an embodied doctor. I need someone to be in a room with me and look at my body and help me. This is not enough. This virtual screen is not enough, and I felt that way about my friends as well. I felt like it wasn't enough. Um, and now we know, now science tells us that that's true. This study that I was referring to at Yale that they just finished, they don't even know how to explain it, but there is a marked difference between what happens in our brain when we are communicating on a video screen and when we're embodied. It's like our bodies can't get all the information they need through a screen, even though we have all five of those things we need for communication. Something is missing that our brains need in order to connect. This is what one of the scientists involved said. Overall, the dynamic and natural social interactions that occur spontaneously during in-person interactions appear to be less apparent or even absent during Zoom encounters. This is a really robust effect, which is a science way of saying this is a big deal. <laughs> like there's a lot happening here. I don't need to read that study to know that. I know the difference between virtual life and embodied life. Everyone in this room does. More than any time in history, we uniquely know that virtual life is not embodied life because we lived it, and it was not enough. Like, don't you remember that feeling of just like longing to hug your friend? I remember that feeling of just wanting to be in a movie theater and hearing people around me breathe. I remember the feeling of like, how do we take for granted for so long just getting to be able to sit in this room together or hold one another? I was trying to do the math this morning. I think it was 11 weeks of me living alone at home, being sick before I saw a person embodied with me. And I went to see my sister and my nieces. We met up at this little cabin in Bastrop. And after 11 weeks, I got to hold my nieces, be with their bodies, I got to watch my sister's hair move in the wind. And I will never forget what it felt like to be in our bodies together. My mom didn't get to see my nieces for that year. So the first time she saw them again was in December. She flew over from, she was overseas. So she flew over and they had to quarantine her for two weeks. So for two weeks, she would stand outside the window on a walkie-talkie with my nieces and say hello. And then finally, she got to come inside and hold her grandkids. It's really good for you when you can come in the house. It's so true. 
We all know that feeling if we remember it. We forget so fast, right? We take it for granted now, but you remember. You remember what a privilege it is to be in this room together. It's like a miracle of all of time and all of history and all the places all of us could have been born. We collide right here in this scrap of a moment this morning. We're all here in our bodies. And someone may, may be able to virtually watch this at a different time, but it will not be the same because we are embodied together. It means something. Even if your prefrontal cortex doesn't notice, your body notices. Connection is about being embodied together. And think about that with Mary. I just love this picture of her that we see in the scripture where it's like this angel comes to her and shares this news. And the first thing she does is not like plan a baby moon or figure out how she's going to like fulfill this mission of raising the son of God. No, it says she gets done with the angel. May your word to me be fulfilled. The angel left her. And then she hurries to the town to see Elizabeth. In another translation, it says with great haste. It's like the second this convo is done, she's on the road. And Luke tells us that she stays with Elizabeth for three months. She wanted to be embodied with her relative and her friend who had a baby in her womb as well. She wanted to experience that together, to be embodied together. It's how we connect. And I think about Jesus. I think about God. Like, I know that God is not like us. He's different than us. And so it's kind of hard to project. But I imagine that feeling I had during isolation, how much I longed to touch and be with the people I love. And I imagine what it must have been like for God since that garden when he has not been able to walk with us in the cool of the day and how much he might have longed for Advent to come to be with us in a body, to be able to touch us. We sing, when we sing O Holy Night, we say, Long lay the world in sin and error pining. Then he appeared and the soul felt its worth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining. We were pining. We are pining, right, for the presence of the embodied Lord. But I wonder, as I've been thinking about Advent this year, I've been thinking so much about whether or not God also pined, also longed to just be with us. I think about that baby, and, and the first time that Jesus wrapped his finger, his little baby hand around Mary's finger, and God touched creation. And creation, the creation he made, touched him back. And then you look at Jesus' life, and the whole time, it's like he's obsessed with being embodied with us. Like every time he heals someone, he finds a way to like reach out and touch them. It's like, Jesus, this has nothing to do with anything. And he'll like get some mud and spit up, put some bodily fluids on it, rub it around, rub it all in their face, you know? Every time he wants to touch, he wants to be near. The last night that he was embodied with his friends, he sat around that table, and I wonder if he felt some of that privilege, that sacredness that we felt that first time after isolation, because he looks around at these people that he's embodied with, and he takes the time to get up and wash every single one of their feet to touch their bodies, to feel the dirt, the calluses. What a privilege to be able to be with each other in time like that. And it says in one of the Gospels, there's a, one of the disciples who describes himself as, as leaning, reclining on Jesus during the meal, just, just wanting to touch him, just wanting to be embodied with him. I just want you to notice your body and time and space and the bodies in this room with you. 
Just ask God to help you be present with the people in your life, to feel today the privilege, the sacred privilege of getting to be embodied together. God, I just feel and receive your communication of love in the fact that you were willing to come in this bodily form with all its limitations so that we might hear you, so that we might believe you and receive you when you say that you love us, that you understand us, that you have compassion on us, that you were willing to come and speak our language you're willing to be plugged into this interconnected, embodied experience. I thank you for that baby in the manger that is evidence of your willingness to communicate and connect with us. And I confess, God, that it is not enough now to be in a world without you embodied. I pray this Advent, as much as we sing of the joy that you came, that we would sing with longing, that you would come again, that we would see your face. We would recognize it, even though we've never seen it before. That we would be in your presence, that you would hold our hands and wipe away our tears. I pray that we would be filled with joy and longing this Advent season, and I ask that In the name of Jesus, amen. You guys can stay standing. Just one reminder that next week, we are not gonna be having services in the morning. We'll have Christmas Eve at 5 p.m. There will be parking available. Street parking will be free at that time, and we have our regular parking spots as well. So we hope to see you guys then. Um, Now I'm gonna speak a benediction over you. It's just a blessing. So if you wanna close your eyes or hold out your hands, however you like to receive that, you're welcome to. May you, this Advent season, experience the gift the sacredness, the privilege of being part of an embodied community and an embodied creation. May you be present with those you love. May you honor the embodied experience by grieving those who aren't with you. And may this season you long for our embodied God to come again. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Grace and peace, guys. Thank you. We hope you found this message encouraging. If you would like to learn more about The Vine, get connected to our community, or contribute financially to The Vine's ministry, go to our website at thevineaustin.org.